0: Welcome to Windwards, a podcast dedicated to gaming in Glorantha, the Bronze Age fantasy world featured in tabletop role playing games like RuneQuest and HeroQuest, and also in other games and art forms. I am Ludovic, aka Lord Abdul. I'm Bill from Canada,
1: and I'm Georg from Germany.
0: So, yeah, this is episode 01 of a new podcast, and uh, I think we should say a few words about why we are making a new podcast.
2: I'd have to agree with that. It sounds like a great
0: idea. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we're in the uh, second RuneQuest Renaissance. I think the uh, uh, series of RuneQuest source books released by Avalon Hill was considered as the the first RuneQuest Renaissance, and we are in the second RuneQuest Renaissance with the uh, RuneQuest uh, role playing in Glorentha line being released by Chaosium recently. And in this day and age, there is um, like role-playing games tend to be driven for the general public by actual plays and podcasts. And as far as I know, there is no uh, general discussions and news podcast about Glorantha. There are a couple of actual play ones, but not uh, not a news uh, section, like news and discussion one.
2: Now, the great thing about having three hosts to this podcast, I'd have to say, Ludo, is we will disagree on occasion, and this actually gives more benefit to the uh, listeners. I think I would say that the second uh, renaissance happened when a renaissance was required after the introduction of Request 3. Uh, York might agree with me on this one, but when Mob and uh, folk from Moon Design came into the uh, project to create a new RQ3 is when the second, uh, first renaissance happened.
0: I, th- I think that was the first instance. yeah, I think that's when uh, like Weavers of cradles and Strangers of Prax and all that stuff got released. yeah.
2: Great modules. What do you think New York?
1: Yeah, um, that was the first time uh, that we actually saw new stuff, or at least mostly new stuff released for Roomcast 3. All the other releases for RoomCast 3 other than the gods of Florantata and the Canada box were just three hashes of old Rufus 2 material.
2: Well, that gives us a bit of an idea of why we're doing this. Um, how did this all come about there, Ludo? Uh, you, you're the man who started this all.
0: Uh, kind of. Um, I just figured uh, I wasn't busy enough and I needed uh, something uh, <laughs> more to do in my free time, <laughs> even though I, I've got zero free time. I have no idea why it came to me in a uh, fever dream, I guess, which is, uh, I, I guess you could say, a shamanic uh, experience. I've got, I've got no Good. idea why. Human, humanic
2: experiences are part of the whole room quest uh, thing. Exactly.
0: But uh, we could actually say a couple of things about how we came to Glorantha because like I'm the newbie in the band here, right? I am uh, I knew about Glorentha a while ago, but never really got into it. I, I had like a couple of the French version uh, of the early Hero Wars books. I, you know, mostly skimmed through them and didn't do anything about them. And I uh, really... Came back to Glorentha and actually started reading and getting interested in it only around the time the guide to Glorentha got published, so very shortly before the new rune quest. So I'm kind of the newbie here, but you two are like old uh, grognards, right? Grognard? Hmm.
2: For those that aren't in uh, the know, what is a grognard there, York?
1: A grognard is a bumbler, uh, one of the old guard who only uh, has to say uh, disparaging things about and stuff.
0: Uh, you're nice grognards though
1: <laughs>
2: uh and uh, nor are we uh, napoleonic grognards they did the traditional
0: grognard but so when when did you uh come to runequest
2: well, i've been playing uh D at uh, various points and found that i was home ruling so much of the material of D that i had an actual notebook full of changes to the rules as I started getting closer and closer to having a binder full of uh, role changes, somebody introduced me to Runtus and I went, oh, that's exactly where I was going.
0: <laughs> so you, you were on your way to becoming Steve Perrin until you found Steve Perrin?
2: That's a good way of putting it. Uh, yeah, exactly.
0: What about you, Jörg?
1: Yeah, uh, I started roleplaying about the time when Runtus 3 came out, but as I was living in Germany, I had no idea where to get it, and I came to Rundqvist uh, in the late 80s, uh, starting to translate it, then found out that there was already a translation uh, going to the printers, and so I joined the German Rundqvist Society. I was not a Kurantha back then, but a year in Norway, uh, away from civilization, uh, gave me a lot of time to study this stuff.
0: So you you started with RuneQuest three in the like Gateway uh, line?
1: Yeah, I had my own Viking setting, uh, Viking fantasy, Ooh. Uh, and it was again on a word I wrote myself.
2: Cool. A lot of us seem to have a little bit of a practice in writing stuff. Yeah, that's good.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, let's move on to the first section then. First section is the Herald's Podium. It's time to gather in the town center and listen to the news of the world. Who wants to uh, kick this off? I think Bill, you have the first item. I, I introduced
2: this in a, a basic role playing central, which is the home for things granted on the internet. And as I typed in this news story, it was interesting. I found myself um, breaking into tears halfway through it. So it, 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 it heavily. And during our first rehearsal, the same thing happened, so hopefully I'll be able to keep my uh, air ducts a little bit uh, drier this time. It's uh, a little bit removed from the actual event, but Christopher Tolkien, the young lad that JRR put to sleep a little bedtime story known as The Hobbit uh, last week. My, my immediate reaction uh, was pretty, uh, pretty intense, uh, which uh, made me stop and think about it, like why would I have such a reaction to somebody I've never met before, have no idea who he was, uh, really? It, it, then it occurred to me, what would we not have without Christopher Tolkien being read at bedtime story by J.R.R. R. Tolkien? I'm postulating perhaps no D&D, uh, no TNT, RQ, DQ, no uh, b and My personal favorite of mine, Bunnies and Burroughs, Bushido, Paranoia, Traveler. Again, postulation, I'm sure that... Uh, There'll be other opinions. I'm thinking that it, there might have been nothing, on, or maybe something based on T.S. Um, Eliot's uh, *The Once and Future King*, possibly on uh, Mark Twain's *A Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court*. But mm-hmm. I think it would have been a lot uh, less of a role-playing world without uh, Tolkien and his uh, young child being read a story. Mm.
0: So I, said, I think there would still have been role-playing games, but it would have been interesting to see. Uh, what would have happened if the first role-playing game wasn't a kind of Tolkien-esque uh, fantasy world? Like D&D how d have... could not
2: d d could not have existed without uh, orcs and hobbits, and
0: definitely. Yeah. So imagine what the shape of the industry would be like if the first role-playing game had been, uh, you know, some Napole- uh, Napoleonic war or something based on Star Wars or something. It's uh, it's interesting to think about.
1: Basically, it was uh, Dave Anderson came from Napoleonic Gaming, and uh, his first uh, character-based uh, wargaming was with Napoleonic Wars.
0: Yeah, but it only took off when one of his players started saying, like, hey, can I play a wizard who throws fireballs, though?
2: And my dragon attacks your castle.
0: <laughs> yeah, personally, uh, Christopher Tolkien uh, was the guy who... Uh, uh started the uh, or actually popularized the trend of having cool looking maps in uh fantasy books and for this i am very grateful because i love maps and especially i love uh fantasy maps like if uh, if i pick up a fantasy book and the first few pages don't contain a map i call bullshit
2: so i i didn't know that this is total news to me uh, you guys looked into this and actually i uh, know that uh christopher is behind those maps wow Yes. And you thought that this was just going to be a podcast.
0: Kids, listen and learn. (laughs) Jörg, you have anything to say about uh, Christopher Tolkien?
1: Well, uh, Christopher uh, was the one who was responsible for putting out the Silmarillion, which uh, really gave the depth uh, to the Lord of Rings that we always knew that was there, but we never knew about. Mm -hmm.
2: I loved your comment the other day that uh, Christopher was the guardian of all things middle earth the keeper of the lord the keeper of the gate i guess you, you could say
1: in other news um, we have clorantha board game the god's War, which uh, came out three years ago or so and which now has a kick had a kickstarter which uh, brought out a few new expansions and basically the second print run of the game the game is by sandy peterson and it's an asymmetric war game, uh, which uh, lets you play one of eight factions of the Gloranthan gods. And you can play with up to eight players, and just uh, wreak havoc on the poor uh, remnants of Glorantha.
0: Cool. And you you can change the the course of uh, the god time history of Glorantha.
1: Well, you, you can play it out.
0: Well, yeah, you can play it out, but make. Uh... Like Chaos win, for example, if you want.
1: <laughs> yeah, the thing, the game ends in the compromise, usually.
0: <laughs> oh, okay, well, that's, that's uh, appropriate then. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, I don't own the game yet, uh, so this was for me a chance to uh, pick up what I missed uh, a few years ago. So I'm, uh, so I'm gonna be uh, waiting to receive uh, the giant boxes of the game, uh, but I think it's gonna be only delivered like in two years or something like that.
1: So uh, ample time to uh, build an extra room to your house.
0: <laughs> yes,
2: is exactly. that big? Is it? Wow!
1: Let me put it this way: if, if you stack two of them, you can hide behind it. <laughs> <laughs> the package was quite high and uh, yeah, it's massive. The miniatures are up to six inch or more height, and yeah, um, they're normal human pieces which are the standard size of role-playing pieces and then you have dragons, you have gods which are a significant greater and you have cosmic monsters and the term miniature simply doesn't quite fit. Mm -hmm. But speaking of the miniatures, they are great. Uh, They inspire people who don't know anything about Glorenta to ask about them. So so it's a great honey trip to get new people to the uh, world.
0: Yeah, I I previously uh, introduced uh, some people to Glorenta with the uh, little can of can uh, card game, which is very fun and very fast to play. Um, So yeah, board games are a great way to kind of get people to know a few things about Glorenta without them even realizing it. That makes an awful lot of sense
2: if you stop and think about it. I mean, granted, uh, role playing games, pen and paper role playing games, are having a little bit of a renaissance, but board games are far a piece of that.
0: And it also is appropriate given that has started in a board game. So
2: Granted. Uh, yeah. Now, that would be, of course, White Bear and Red Moon.
0: Yes. And that's a great segue for the next news item, I guess, uh, because uh, Worms' footnotes are back. And uh, for those who don't know, Worms' footnotes was a magazine published by uh, Chaosium or The Chaosium, as it was called back then, Um, 14 issues from 1976 to 1982. And... At first, when the Chaosium was only publishing board games, as in uh, White Bear Red Moon, uh, like a a war game in Glorintha and Nomad Gods, uh, another war game in Glorintha focused on Prax. Um, This was a magazine that was basically talking about Uh, Optional rules and errata for those board games, along with, you know, news of what uh, Chaosium had in the works. And also, interestingly enough, uh, some, um, like, background detail, like some articles about the world of Glorentha, which kind of made it richer. Um, And along the way, you know, around issue five or six, that's when they started releasing the first edition of RuneQuest, and it's a just a great way to get a, a glimpse of the history of Chaosium and the history of RuneQuest and Glorentha.
2: So not a lot to be said for uh, having a look at the designer's mind. And when, you, when he when when he opens it up to you to have a look at it, you you see a whole new level of the game itself.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's fun to see like a bit of the behind the scenes also because there's some editorials by uh, Greg Stafford and um, uh, and Charlie Crank. Uh, but mm-hmm. anyway, they're all available in PDF. Uh, they're fully OCR, so you can search through them and all that. It's not not just like basic scans. And the PDF bundle goes for 25 bucks. Uh, although you can buy the issues individually from Chaosium, uh, the bundle makes the most sense, and it's even like cheaper than what it would cost you to uh, what it used to cost to buy them uh, with inflation. And definitely cheaper than buying them off eBay now, because some of them go to ridiculous prices. So definitely recommend it for any uh, anybody who wants to uh, have a bit of nostalgia or a bit of uh, historical uh, research. And I think there are uh, Chaosium is uh, evaluating some print-on-demand options, but for now it's PDF only.
2: Well, I gotta say, um, I officially became an old man the other day, which really blew my mind, and. Uh, Dudo, uh, out of uh, the generosity of his heart, gave me a, uh, a copy of uh, the set for uh, my birthday. And wow, yes, it's, it's pretty birthday. impressive looking.
0: Yeah, it's very good.
2: <sighs> um, comments from Germany. What uh, What do our Deutsch friends have to say about, uh, you were back there, you were there when he was writing it, weren't you, Jörg? Uh,
1: no, that was way <laughs> before my
2: Not that quite that old.
1: My time, really. Uh, I started with Wunker 3, as I said, uh, and by that time, uh, Worms Footnotes had long gone. But then I went to a couple of uh, conventions where these uh, old issues were auctioned off, and I think I spent enough for uh, another two conventions uh, just to acquire the set of uh, Worms uh, Footnotes 5 to uh, 14 in paper.
2: As ancient as I am, the only one I ever owned until uh, uh Ludo uh, presented me with the copy of this for my birthday was, uh, 14.
0: The very last one they did. There is actually an issue 15 that popped out of nowhere in 2012. True. Uh, but I have that as well. Yeah. But yeah, when I, uh, Figured I would build up my, uh, like, become a collector and stop buying uh, stuff to complete my uh, RuneQuest collection. I figured I would just avoid going into the uh, the rabbit hole of trying to collect magazines and fanzines, though. So <laughs> I just didn't look at Worms Footnotes. I figured that would be uh, that would be my my downfall. Well, yeah.
2: thankfully, they've released it in a much easier to uh, consume method than Amazon. Yeah. The next topic of our agenda for this uh, episode will be the monster of the month. Austin Conrad, uh lad that's um, often found on the BRP Central. We won't out him as to who the individual is, but uh, has come up with a series of great uh, Johnstown compendium items. Now, we'll get into a little bit on what the Johnstown compendium is in a second, but uh, let's give a quick description to this particular item here. Great-looking cover art, uh, nicely laid out. I would say the bidding isn't all that bad, but uh, if I were to do that, I'd I'd better out myself as well to uh, mention that I am the editor of this particular contribution to the Johnstown Compendium, so for full disclosure. Great. So what is it? Well, uh, it's a great idea, a four-page copy of Spirits of Insanity. Now, Spirits of Madness are covered, Insanity is also covered as uh, one of the lunar ways of uh, trapping a poor or unaware. Austin has postulated if there are spirits of insanity, if the learners are capable about ca- causing people to go mad, obviously there must be spirits of madness. In four pages, Austin Conrad manages to create a monster that uh, every game master is going to want to throw at his unwary or uh, lunar foes.
0: So uh, I assume the... Uh... The PDF contains like some stats for um, RuneQuest Lorenta and some advice for bringing that into your campaign.
2: A table also for uh, different uh, menaces that one could um, have visited upon him. Vestophobia. The victim is afraid of clothing and armor <laughs> and is just wearing as little as possible. Not <laughs> a good idea for your typical RuneQuest or Lanthi who's putting uh, chaos and fighting the learners. Vestophobia. <laughs> Lethargy? Jesus, I've already been visited by one of these spirits of insanity. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, how, uh, what's the price point on that? Not an awful lot. $1 will allow you to walk away with this PDF. And if you buy it, well, of course, you're going to be buying it through drive through RPG, which means that uh, any updates that come along,
0: you'll also uh, be included for Great. And given the name, I assume there will be more uh, monster-based PDFs in the next
2: few months? And if Austin Conrad can keep it up, he's intending on uh, putting them out once a month. We'll just have to see whether he he can actually make that. Now, the Johnstown Compendium requires a little bit of thought. Um, Eric, you, uh, you haven't been saying enough lot on this. Uh, would you like to weigh in on the Johnstown Compendium and what it is?
1: The Johnstown Compendium is an initiative by uh, Chaosium to allow third uh, party producers to put out material for RuneQuest or HeroQuest in Ruan. Uh, it's running on the platform of DriveThru RPG. You uh, you can uh, do uh, write up your own uh, campaign, your own background, your own monsters, which is basically uh, a bit of a dream uh, that many uh, GMs had in the past years. You
2: say that you can put this out in a nice format. What if you have limited skills?
1: If you have limited skills, you will find uh, a team of volunteers on basicroleplaying.org, uh, which... Uh, consists of people like Bill who might help you with uh, formatting and with a bit more luck, you will find uh, artists who might work for you. But yeah, um, many of these things uh, will be uh, collaborations with uh, people who do editing and so on, on a semi-professional level at least.
2: Now, what I was referring to is is that this actually comes as a template. You don't have to know how to lay it out and design it to begin with, although a little bit of knowledge will go a long way as the templates for how this can look and how to make it out a little bit better are already provided for free from the Chaosium.
0: And I believe Chaosium also um, gives uh, with, uh, uh, you know, uh, license for use, they provide all the Argon Argar uh, Atlas maps for you to use. And I think they also have like a little stash of illustrations that you can use free of charge.
2: That used also. to be a little bit of a pricey item, the Argon Argar Atlas. You're saying that you, you can
0: get it for free? Uh, it is in the Johnston Compendium, and you can use the maps inside it in your own Johnston Companion products. Yes, I think.
2: And you okay. can actually download this for free. Yeah. Wow, that's a heck of a deal. Yeah, it's pretty good. So, professional looking maps, professional looking layout.
0: Yeah, and, um, and like York said, plenty of people to uh, help available on the BRP forums.
2: I think there's one more advantage to the Johnstown Compendium. Are you aware of it there, uh, man? Can you expand on it a tiny bit, Ludo, on what happens to money that come into you get drive M- rpg
0: money yeah uh so i believe uh drive through rpg takes a cut and chaosium takes a cut and both of those cuts amount to 50% so the author gets the other 50% in their pocket that sounds pretty good yeah Yuri. i think you have uh, uh an, another Johnston compendium item
1: uh, just looking at it, it's Rubble Runners, a collection of Pavis characters. It's a collection of 16 highly detailed character descriptions uh, set in the city of Pavis, uh, one of the iconic uh, places to play in uh, Toronto. And yeah, these are fully fledged out characters, a bit reminiscent of the old uh, Rune Master set, but uh, characters on all kinds of power levels. So you will have the nearly invincible veteran, and you will have the fairly competent but still beginning character. And yeah, it's a set which will help you to make your game in Pavis very alive, and people in Pelvis don't stay there forever. So you can uh, meet these people away from Pelvis too. Pretty
2: good artwork in this fab product. I'm rather impressed.
1: Yeah, the, uh, the cover looks gorgeous, but that uh, great uh, city gate, I think it's supposed to be, or temple gate.
2: Who's, uh, who's the author of this product?
1: The author is John Hunter. John Hunter, uh, the
2: man that uh, brought Balazsar to the um, internet a few years back.
1: Uh, John Hunter is, uh, well, he has a very nice page, loads uh, to Balazar mm-hmm. which deals with... Uh, Adventures in the Elder Wilds or the human-populated part of the Elder Wilds. And that's another classic setting with Griffin Mountain. That,
2: that website mountain. looks really good, too.
0: We'll put a link in the show notes, then. Yeah, Definitely.
1: That's great material, uh, even though it's, it didn't start out as a Room Quest site. It didn't. Uh, no, it started uh, with World of Darkness rules, and I think it still has a section where you can convert Glorantha to World of Darkness rules.
2: Wow! So Glorantha can go anywhere if if you really want to take the time. <laughs> Amazing!
1: Yeah. I know about a fake Glorantha. Uh, there's of course Pendragon Path, which is a bit of an ancestor to Rupert and yeah, there are the three official uh, systems. So, you can go uh, just about any system uh, which allows this kind of magic and play rather. Cool. Okay, so that's it about Ravel Runners, a collection of Pevis characters available on Drive thru RPG for $4.99.
0: Wow, I'll take two. <laughs> Next, we have uh, actually an official product from Chaosium, which was released over the Christmas break. So that was a, a nice Christmas present for us uh, RuneQuest nerds. A total surprise, too. No, no introduction, no nothing. Boom. Yeah, well, we knew it was coming, but you I didn't. think they um, they were uh, they wanted to give us a little Christmas treat. Uh, but yeah, it is the Smoking Ruins from uh, so directly from Chaosium. It's a available as a PDF on their website, Uh, it's like $19. Uh, it's described as uh, so it's called The Smoking Ruin and Other Stories, actually that's the exact title, and it contains ready-to-play adventures for RuneQuest taking adventurers across the untamed South Wilds, a region filled with reclusive villagers ancient ruins, beast folk, troll spirits, undead, wolf brothers, dinosaurs monstrous mercenary companies, living trees, surly river spirits and worse, that's uh, a mouthful Uh, but yeah, basically it's a, a setting and adventure book located in between, kind of like in a region region stuck between Sartar, the Grayslands, and Beast Valley. So there's like a lot of different factions that you can encounter. Uh, It contains a bunch of descriptions for locations like uh, South Wild, uh, the Wild Temple, the Smoking Ruins and uh, three adventures uh, one of which is actually a multi-year adventure where you are um, following and maybe even taking part in a multi-year ritual from um, some elves that want to uh, make something uh, new grow to improve their magic so it's um it's it looks really cool, lots of uh, good maps, lots of interesting illustrations. Our first look at uh, sorcery in uh, like serious look at sorcery with some uh, some sorcerer in a tower. I think the is, best thing about this
2: uh, thing has got to be to my taste yeah when the first maps of the- Sartar and Grant came out. There were all these intriguing little places, like the Smoking Ruins, yeah. the uh, uh, the Ash Pit, what the Tata's Lonely Tomulus. What the heck are these things? I was always wondering about the Smoking Ruins,
0: so boom, here it is. Yeah, and so there's a whole bunch of. Uh, well, there's a map of the Smoking Ruins. There's uh, some backstory. There's an adventure that lets you go in there and cool. Uh, so not only does it explain what it is, but you get to go there. Yes, <laughs> uh, Jürg, do you have anything cool to say about the Smoking Ruins?
1: Yeah, the Smoking Ruins are the remnants of Winkotling uh, here before. Winkotlings uh, were the first Orlanti in the region, and uh, they were the ancestors of the current uh, Orlanti there. The entire past region was evacuated by humans, or possibly evacuated in the Dragon Co. And afterwards, uh all or or these uh, former cities uh, and hill force, uh had become ruins. The smoking ruins uh, are famous because they were the site of a battle, or two battles, between trolls and dragon youths.
0: Mm-hmm. And why are they smoking?
1: Yeah. Uh, in the first battle, the trolls uh, smashed the dragon youths and their allies, and they had a very big feast after that.
2: You uncommon. know what we're going to have to do? We're going to have to do a review of this uh, project at some point in time and have uh, your really expound on this.
1: Yeah. yeah. But Basically, uh, the trolls uh, gorged themselves senseless, and uh, then they were surprised by a second uh, group of dragon youths who sla- uh, slaughtered them in their sleep and uh, set them afire. Now, the trolls are beings of, beings of darkness and foes of fire, so this kept their spirits trapped there. And the fires are still burning pretty de- uh, bad thing to do for
0: Aha, uh-huh. so eternally burning uh, troll corpses. Yeah. Wow. You know, there are some really
2: odd things about uh, Grant, and I guess that's got to
1: be one of them. <laughs> oh, no, this is harmless.
0: <laughs> cool. So, uh, yeah. That's the Smoking Ruins available on the Chaosium website for 19 bucks in PDF. And I believe that if you buy the PDF now, uh, you will get a uh, big discount on the physical book when it comes out later this year.
2: I don't know if that was announced, but that's usually the rule that Chaosium has, isn't it? That uh, if yeah. you buy the PDF early, you can have the uh, physical copy with the cost of the PDF removed. Yes. Yeah. Wow.
1: You would have to pay for postage, which might eat up that bonus.
2: Um, yes, uh, especially if you're in Canada. Uh, I think I, uh, this is, I, just, uh, I would have paid for the cap when I got my slip uh, cover of the entire rules.
0: Mm-hmm. That's why you, you need to make it worth it by buying other books.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, poor credit card. You're about to be maxed. <laughs> Listen, oh, okay. there's one other thing about uh, the smoking ruin that comes to mind. What is the acronym? Of that TSR, E-S-R. oh my god, oh, burn <laughs> B- burn
0: is actually uh,
2: appropriate. In this case. It most definitely is some wag on a uh, BRP central came up with that, and uh, I, I, I don't even know who it was, but yeah, a few of us uh, were RTFL, I believe, is the uh, way of putting it. Oh man bill
0: you're too old to say those things aloud
2: I know but once um, somebody my age actually says it doesn't that just mean it's out of uh, practice but the kids will have to come up with something new <laughs> <laughs> yeah. continuing on to uh, the next part of our first episode of Windwords, the rumor table now the rumor table has a long storied history within the world of Larantha one of the best uh, Sandboxes I've ever seen, Griffin Mountain, introduced the concept of a rumor table that one rolled on using percentile dice and would come up with a rumor that could either intrigue the players, actually set up an entire scenario, mislead them, cause red herrings. On the rumor table, one would roll, it would say, Perhaps uh, this individual is a horrible chaos monster in his spare time, and after it would come one letter, either T, R, B, true, false, baseless, just a rumor. Mm -hmm. Fantastic concept. It it really did propel Griffin Mountain into a whole new
0: realm. So we're going to roll on the table and see uh, what is the gossip in the world of Glorenton uh, gaming then?
2: And what's our number? 75. 75. Okay. So that comes out as The Tales of the Reaching Moon. Hmm.
0: Yeah. What are The Tales of the Reaching Moon, Bill?
2: Well, Tales of the Reaching Moon um, is an interesting, interesting uh, fantasy Mm -hmm. that brought in some of the great uh, minds uh, from uh, fandom and put them right onto the staff of the Chaosium. Rickman's. Uh, Michael O'Brien, Mob, as he's currently uh, known on the uh, Basic role uh Central Lab, uh, website, and a couple of other gentlemen, put out one of the best fanzines I have ever seen. It uh, consisted of explorations into Glorantha, scenarios, really good scenarios too for that matter. I mean, uh, Michael O'Brien uh, being a member of it really helped. Well, Tales of the Reach of Moon are um, uh, looking at uh, the... At being given the same treatment that were in has been given. Quite possibly, uh, they'll be uh, putting them out as uh, PDF releases, uh, saving you a small fortune if you were to go to Amazon online to try to get a hold of a old copy. Yeah. Well, when did they come out? Does anybody actually have a date for these? Uh,
0: there were, as far as I can tell, there were uh, about twenty issues uh, going from uh, nineteen eighty nine to two thousand two. 1989. Well, this uh, definitely
2: puts us into your uh, Belawick, uh, York. Any yeah. comments that you want to make on uh, Tales of the Reaching Moon?
1: Well, Tales of the Reaching Moon basically was what brought Greg Stafford back into the Brought him back? Wow. Yeah. Um, there's a story that um, Nick Brook and David Hall met Greg Stafford at convention in Dublin in 1990 or so and uh, they talked about him about Garantha and their activity and uh, the first issues they had uh, showed Greg that there still was some
0: interest in, into this world
2: well this is a heck of a rumor man 75 you said
0: we <laughs> had to roll 75 more often that is good yeah good the rumors. Um, yeah. And so, uh, Bill, you're saying that uh, Tales of the Reaching Moon might come our way in PDF just like Worm's footnotes just did. And even better,
2: there is once again a rumor. Now, whether it be TRB, kind of hard to say, but there's a possibility it may be delivered to Lulu.com for POD. Print on demand. That would be welcome. You know, generally speaking, a 75 is pretty high. We must have a really (laughs) good rumor skill. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Okay, let's roll again. I'm impressed. Okay, I've got 28. Uh, 28. So I've got a rumor that Rick Minds, uh, one of the Chaosium uh, people, Uh, mentioned a couple of things that they have in the works, including books on the West, the East, and Trolls, to name a few. But uh, he also said that they don't tend to talk much about forthcoming books until they have a complete draft and until it goes into layout, because before then they have absolutely no idea if the book is going to get done because they rely mostly on uh, contractor authors, like the only only in-house authors that they have. Uh, for RuneQuest are really Jeff and Jason, and they're obviously busy with a whole bunch of other stuff, too. But, what, what is uh, rumors on what they're
2: busy on? Hmm.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so, but yeah, rumors that there might be some new Troll Pack coming up and some stuff on Kralorella and uh, Western lands and all that, so... Well, you know, take Guides it to the greatest Hmm. <laughs> well, that we know is coming, but uh, okay. anyway, well, but
2: so. that that's one the room t- rumor table. What does that put a T behind that one?
0: A T, really? True. <laughs> okay then. Uh <laughs> Yurt, is there uh, anything more here? Uh, well, Yerk can roll again and see uh, see what he gets.
1: I've got a ninety-four here. Oh. <laughs> Okay, and that for this ru- uh, rumor. Um, Chaosium is aiming for about six products per year, for Rubas Brand, uh, official products, that is. Is that
2: this year or next year, sir? That's a uh, 94, that might be next yeah,
1: year. Uh, for every year, I ah. think. But probably starting next year. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's always next year. Yeah,
1: um, that's the very old... Uh, in joke really uh, in the old and world. we
2: only kid because we love you the Kiasium. we don't mean it at all <laughs> yes
1: so um, I would write with, uh, this with a B or with a, a T for too good to be true <laughs> <laughs> oh my
0: well we're, we're pretty sure that the Smoking Ruins is coming out in physical book this year because yes. I mean we've got the PDF uh, uh, we know is...
1: that the Pegasus pl- uh, plateau is coming out because they already brought out the one uh, scenario for the Dragonstone Memorial uh, g- role-playing gaming last year. Yeah,
0: we just got Worms Footnote, so that's uh, a three-three fairly certain products this year. So, do we know what the other three or so products might be this year? Uh, I don't know if Gods uh, like Cults of Glorentha is going to be ready this year. They got to
2: have Gagog ready by by the end of the year. Wow! Uh, I guess don't have
0: to. Maybe it's going to be our Christmas presents. Yeah, maybe in, in PDF. I
1: think. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Yeah.
0: Hero Quest. <laughs> They're going to have Hero Quest rules. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, actually, actually, that's one, that's in the works too. Um, yeah, I think there's the
0: starter set and the uh, game Mastery guide that might show up this year.
2: Worth mentioning, we're not talking HeroQuest 1, HeroQuest 2, or HeroQuest Garantha. These are HeroQuest rules embedded in RQ Glorantha.
0: I think they're supposed to show up in the Game Master guidebook, which I'm told is meant to be the right size to replace the Game Master pack in the sleepcase uh, case, um, case. Ooh, that's a fairly thick pack. That, that could be good. Yeah, I think that's what we can expect this year. We'll see We'll see how that goes.
2: And it's time to move on to our main topic of the day. We're all newbies of one thing or another, one time or another. For instance, we're newbies at podcasting. We haven't done this before. Welcome to all the newbies to Glorantha. What should... A newbie be told when entering into the realm of Claren- there's no use hammering him with every detail of the great and wonderful world that Greg Stafford has created for us. And at the same time, you don't want to give him too little information where he's all of a sudden going, the moon's red? What? So what do you nail our poor, unsuspecting little victim with oh, such an innocent and fresh mind? Hmm. You are. What would you think?
1: I usually start uh, telling people that the uh, that the world is flat, that there's a moon in the sky, that the sun moves oddly, uh, stuff like that. I don't mention anything mm-hmm. about the horizon or so.
0: So how how much information? Like, uh, do you only mention a couple of those things and then start the adventure, or do you actually um, write uh, a couple of pages? of presentation that you give them before the, the session, or uh, or what?
2: My very first game was interesting. I was told absolutely nothing. I was told I could play a duck. Ooh, I could play a what? I just finished reading Howard the Duck for the first time, and I went, I could play a duck? <laughs> oh, can I smoke cigars? And I was told yes. I was in heaven. <laughs> I created what I thought was a duck thief, but actually there are no classes within the realm of Baranthea. Well, I didn't know that, nor was I told that. I was told, in that case, just concentrate on doing things that are thieving in your narration. Oh, okay, easy enough. The information we were given was entirely wrong. We were on a caravan, um, trying to make a break from the caravan, marching across the plains of Praxin, these large caravans that I later found out only happened in the southern continent. We were set as in Prax, in the northern continent. We were not told about a red moon. We were not told about a single thing. We just played. What were you told about Prax itself, for example? Well, that it was a desert. Mm -hmm. Okay, I know what a desert is. That's nice and easy. (laughs) Okay, I definitely do not want to escape
0: without some water. How fast came uh, um, new information? Like, uh, Did you learn more about Glorentha every adventure, or did you actually spend... You know, three months adventuring in Prax before you learned about other Praxian things like uh, Zola FL and the Dead Place and the
2: Block and all that. I never learned about that until I got the damn rules, to tell you the truth. And then I had to wait beyond the rules to get more details from Cults Prax. Mm-hmm. Like, I go back to the 80s in this uh, gaming, and uh, this is pre-internet. Yeah. This is pre-my owning a, uh, a reasonably good computer, uh,
0: what did you know about uh, the cults then, like then? Nothing. <laughs> not all. So what, what, you, what was your duck uh, character doing? Well, like, my did, duck did
2: character he... was basically Howard the Duck with a sword
0: and a cigar. Did he have spells?
2: No, not, not a single one.
0: Okay. And so you, you added all of that later then? Or I, I guess your GM added that later? We played the duck for a little while and then... Uh, I went back
2: to D&D a you few know, <laughs> years later that I got all of the details. So, you know, it, it's, it's all fine. I had a lovely time. I've gone back to RuneQuest continually over the decades. I came back to it every now and again. I touched into it. I, I left it. I touched into it. I explored the RuneQuest Digest. I explored the RuneQuest Dailies, the Glorantha Dailies on Usenet and OneNet. The predecessors to the internet were crying out
0: loud. <laughs> <laughs> would you would you still do the same thing? Like if you were to GM a, a new campaign, like start a new campaign with a bunch of newbies who don't know anything about Glorantha, so would you do the same thing? You would start them off with no cults and no information? Very similar to what you argued. With that one other thing, I
2: would uh, tell the boys and the girls that are playing in the game that Everything was a god. Now, this is a lie, and I'm very happy lying to my players. <laughs> the stream of back is a god. That tree is a god. The ground is a god. The sky is a god. I really yeah. think it is the point of uh, it, it is up to the uh, GM to not so much lie, but deceive his players because grigging is an interesting term, and just we will touch kind of very briefly, because I really should throw this back to you um, as well, Noodle, because you haven't said anything yet. And I think Jorg was in the middle of a point that I interjected on. But, so, <clears throat> very briefly, I would say that Deceive Your Players is called Greg. G-R-E-G-G-I-N-G in honor of Greg Stafford. Greg would often uh, come up with the realization that what he said earlier really had the essence of Glorantha, and he would change it to just Ever so slightly, everybody had incorporated the previous change. So, Greging, um, Number one. Number two, there are three or four different sources. There's Hero Quest, There's uh, a Plus's uh, incredible game, King of Dragon Pass. There's how many different forms of rune quests set in Glorantha? Four? Five. Well, uh, five different rune quests uh, set within Glorantha, for crying out loud, yeah. um, that are canonical two that are not canonical (laughs) I mean where do you go I'm happy with all of the uh, all of the uh, um, uh, problems all of the differences and all the rest of it who knows everything York, that's it
1: (laughs) (laughs) York and Jeff um, I don't know everything
0: but do you, um, uh, first of all you still have for example to explain uh, a few things about the cults unless you want to start your players off with characters who are not in any cult yet, right? As I said,
2: everybody is, um uh, everything is a god. Now, I've already mentioned that this guy was a god and whatnot. You give him a little bit of detail, but flavoring, coloring. It's so a couple of dabs of paint on black and white. Sure. But uh, yeah. Ludo, um, I appreciate. I Shit, you're giving me all this time, really. Mm-hmm. This is a three-part um, conversation. I'm
0: going to turn this right back on to you. What do you do with the gods? Um, I had some fairly negative experience trying to give too much choice to uh, players in the past. So, mm-hmm. I, so would actually, do do? I would actually... Um, uh, these days, I limit the, uh, the number of cults that players can choose from. So... I go with only a handful of cults, and for each cult, I present it. It's I mean they're not. They're, I try to be uh, to explain to the players that they are not quite like classes, uh, because uh, unlike classes like in D and D or other games like that, uh, cults uh, benefits and spells and stuff like that are not supposed to be balanced. Like they are not supposed to be equivalent to each other in terms of, of power levels. But uh, I tell them that it does. do so, uh, you bring disp- that up right off the bat and tell me there's no balance again? <laughs> uh, you have to, because when you say, okay, you know, you can have these five cults. So usually, you know, you would go with the the big names, or- Orland, Arnalda, uh Isaris, Lankermay, and... Maybe either uh, Humact or Storm Bull, depending on whether you have like Undead or Chaos in your first few adventures or like the theme of your campaign. But you're going to have to tell them about the magic system because they're going to get spells from it. And they might go, well, you know, I'm going to compare which is which which. And at that point, I kind of have to stop those players and, and say, well, they're not supposed to be equivalent. You're supposed to pick them because you want to roleplay a character like that. Not so. uh, I think that's one thing you need to come clean about. Let's stay on guards for a second. What do you think, york
1: Uh, I basically start with uh, everybody has got magic, and then we can discuss what kind of magic they want. Mm -hmm. All right. I usually think that uh, people should have one of the gods of the culture they choose to play. And I'm open to have uh, have mixed culture uh, groups, but it's easier to start with all of them coming from the same clan or tribe mm-hmm. or city. So yeah, simplicity. W-
0: simplicity seems to be the key there. Yeah, uh, and to that effect, I want to say that the new version of RuneQuest. Uh, starts you as an experienced adventurer right it's it's not like you don't start from uh, like a level 0 character type of thing you don't start with as a, with absolutely no
2: skills whatsoever then
0: yeah but there there is value like the, the same way that there is value in making all of the players make characters that all belong to the same place because then you know they haven't seen too much there's also value in uh starting them as you know level zero level one character equivalent so characters who haven't had um, several years of experience like uh, starting characters have had in uh, rune quest because then um, the character knowledge is more aligned with the player knowledge. So instead of having to explain to the player all the stuff that their character has seen in the past couple of years of, you know, going uh, out on the raids and missions and uh, meeting kings and queens and stuff like that, you can tell them you're just a farm boy. You you just became an adult, um, just became a man or a woman after your initiation, right or whatever, and you don't know much else beside your stead. Uh, the nearby village and a couple of hills around you and 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 so that that's a a great way to reduce having to front load character knowledge to the players because the characters don't know much and so you don't have to explain too much to the players and that's that's helpful i find
2: i like that Uh, but myself i often find that uh, when i'm uh, introducing a new character I'll ask them to tell me a little bit about what they see. Uh, I, I, I give them a bit of an idea that you're in a Bronze Age world. Everything's a god. You're from a clan. Are very friendly to all of the members of your family. Mm-hmm. Um, if if not friendly, frenemy at the very where at the very least. Like you depend on these people, and uh, they depend upon you. Mm-hmm. Now tell me a little bit about yourself. And when they start telling me about uh, themselves, I I can narrow down. What do I tell them about cults? They tell me that they're um, an adventurous uh, type that likes poetry. Life is really easy. Now, sometimes they don't tell me anything that's uh, so narrow. That would, of course, lead me to the god Orlanth, who's the god of poetry and the god of adventurers. Nice and easy. Maybe it's not quite that easy, so a little bit of give and take, a little bit of ping-pong, volleying back and forth. But uh, I'd like them to tell me a narrative about... what they would like of a character. After I've explained to them, there are no classes. So, But uh, they're, they're, even if they tell me a thief or a warrior or a priest, this is a good beginning.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, what does the player want?
2: What? Do, yeah, bingo. Let's remember the players. <laughs>
0: Well, That's I mean, a... there there are some players in my experience who have like um, you know you tell them a few things about the world. You know, it's a world of Bronze Age and mythology and high magic and all that, and so you can tell that right away they have a couple of character concepts that they want to play, and so you just need to match that to a uh, a cult, and you can tell them, well, you know, given what you told me, I think this cult is is what you want. But there are others who just don't know. They're like, mm, "Yeah, I don't know. What do you have?" So keeping the knowledge a little bit close
2: to your chest, like game cards and dueling out the knowledge as needed
0: by the player, is a good idea. One one thing for those players uh, that I find um, uh, efficient is to start bringing in a few references. You know, references to books or movies or TV shows because then they can oh. say, oh, yeah, I like that character in that TV show. So can I play that character?
2: So this is not like uh, Tolkien's Elves, a negative or a positive. This is like uh, Bilal, a movie that just came out a little bit, a bit ago mm-hmm. yeah. for um, the Muslim Prince of ours.
0: Yeah, so you have seen it. Do, do you think it's a good reference to uh, mention to your players?
2: Not as a beginning, but uh, should they uh, be interested in the desert dwelling oasis people, it's very specific, it's not good in general, but say they wanted to be a very specific oasis dwelling Mm -hmm. person living within Prax,
0: it would be a lovely thing. So what, um, do you two have any um, good references for popular media that uh, the players can check out or might already know?
1: Uh, let's start with uh, the obvious lo- ones like vikings or game of thrones yeah and ah
0: everybody <laughs> knows that good mm-hmm. i think i think vikings like the first couple seasons is actually very good in terms of like uh culture like they they have everything from clans. uh clans. they have clans they do on the, they go on the mm-hmm. raids like they there are scenes where they go up to the chieftain and say you know oh the raiding season is soon when are we uh, when are we going and who are we raiding yeah. There's like talks of of uh, kin They even have like a they even have like a, a trickster. Like Floki is kind of a trickster character. Um, yeah. And they have a shaman, so they have like a lot of stuff there. I think I think Vikings. It's probably yeah. the best bang for your buck in terms of oral culture. It has the friend
2: and frenemy members of the family. Yes. everybody, Everybody's tied, whether they want to be or not, but they are tied.
0: Yeah, so you just need to say mm. it's kind of
2: like Vikings,
0: but uh, a bit earlier, and everybody's got olive skin, and there's cats everywhere.
1: And no your
2: I haven't seen Game of Thrones. Uh, yeah, no how does it tie into Game of Thrones?
0: Uh, Game of Thrones, I wouldn't use as a reference. Uh, you you're about
1: you? I think uh, the Wildlings and the Game of Thrones are a good reference for some things.
2: Okay. Wildlings. Haven't seen, so uh, how do you mean?
1: Um, yeah, those are the people living in the Wild North uh, with the constant threat of ice and bad things, not to oh. spoil anything. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. you mean a sort of right? <laughs> 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 yeah, I, can, I, I guess, yeah. Um, Got it.
1: And the uh, and the culture of the north south of the ice wall is also uh, sort of a- appropriate because it's very Scottish mm-hmm. in a way, so it's a clannish and people are struggling against cold and they're a bit dour. Uh, Game of Thrones has a couple of nice character concepts which don't really match to cults, and I don't think that your character concept needs to match to the cult one to one.
2: Oh, so you you don't have to obey the rules.
1: Hmm. <laughs> you have to obey the rules, uh, of, of course, but uh, you can be an Orlanthi and uh, do some stuff which Orlanthi did not do.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, everybody everybody's not a stereotype.
1: Yes.
2: Okay, so you do obey the rules, but you're not jacketed in the rules.
0: Yeah, uh, I
1: mean, you can be a Humaxi and a womanizer in the same character.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I a
2: agree. Actor, you're famous for honor. I see what you're saying. That makes sense.
1: So uh, you don't have to embody all of uh, the virtues of your god. And in fact, it makes for better role-playing if you are at odds with some of the virtues of your god.
0: Well, I, I, th- I think it's important to say that to the players because, for example, I remember somebody who was telling me that they didn't like their first experience doing role-playing games. Like, I think it was probably D&D because she was playing, I think, a paladin. And a paladin. Yeah. yeah, and uh, the GM was telling her that, well, you when you're a paladin, you're doing this and this and this, and you can't like. It, it yeah, was like a very a strict. Record. It was a very stra- uh, strict, strict uh, yeah interpretation of paladin, and so she felt like I can't really do anything. You know, it's not it's not any better than uh, a video game or something. So uh, I think it's important to uh, emphasize to the players that um your cult is yeah you don't get straight jacketed into a cult stereotype you how do you pitch a cult then or do you just ask people what they want and then you fit uh, you you tell them what cult matches them
1: uh, i think i have a dialogue with them and then i suggest a number of cults and mm-hmm. yeah i don't uh, really uh, tell them this is a cult with a very useful metric but this card has this interesting sort of magic, which mm-hmm. you might like, yeah, and which might fit with your character mm-hmm. uh, concept.
2: I kind of agree with that, New uh, York. I see what you're saying. Uh, I once had a character who wanted to play um, a worshipper of Polaris. When I explained that Polaris was a god of steadfast warriors who are true and noble and very honorable, a couple of weeks later I grieved myself and i went, "Oh God, there are no worshippers of uh, Polaris in the world." Well, now there are, of course, with RQG, but back in RQ3 and two days, there wasn't any way of worshipping Polaris. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, sometimes uh, the game does catch up with you. Now that I've seen the rules for RQG, I would happily give him Polaris, because it would... uh, Needless to say, this was a duck character again. (laughs) Ducks keep coming back. Mm -hmm. Those of you that don't like ducks, all I can say is... I mean that sincerely.
1: I mean, your name is Bill. Bill the Duck? What? (laughs) So the duck was a (laughs) bill.
2: Oh. (laughs) Sorry. Okay, I don't know what to say to that, but (laughs) okay, totally (laughs) derailed. I'm going to throw this to somebody else as a result.
0: (laughs) Well, uh, the thing that's um, interesting to me is that you have a fairly wide knowledge of you know all the gods and the cult so what would you say in the situation where both the gm and the players are newbies yeah that gets a little
2: bit difficult i guess the only thing you can do there is uh, you can make it one clan one pantheon very strict
0: you're Mm -hmm. a traitor you're playing a series (laughs) yeah and i mean i don't know what else to say that's um I think that's where it kind of helps to have a um, uh, kind of limited pantheon where it's like, you know, if you don't want to think about it too much, just stick to those handful, like say Orlanth, Arnalda, Isseries, yeah. Lankermai, um, and maybe a couple other, maybe like Found Child, so that you have kind of a road yeah. uh, ranger type. Uh, um, so I think it, it, it's helpful to have kind of a short list.
2: Jorgen and I can run a game where we have a um, humactai uh, Oramanthi warrior traveling with a zoraxerani troll warrior, and have them interact and uh, look at the nuances, look at the subtleties, and have fun with it. I really don't recommend that to a newcomer.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. No,
1: I don't recommend uh, zoraxerani to any newcomer. Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, any any uh, any of the elder races like none of the Elder Grami, Mostelli...
0: Well, I think newcomers, yeah, yeah, would be better sticking to playing a human at first. Yeah. How
2: would it be if there was an all-troll gang instead, though? Maybe that would work. Again, Mm -hmm. simplifying it.
1: I Uh, wouldn't do that to a new game master.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't either. Okay. Uh,
1: uh, It's different with Trollkin. You could could have a a band of all Trollkin and... So that, would, that might work. A
2: band of three Stooges. I mean, good <laughs> lord. Anybody can yeah. play three Stooges. I, I Maybe mean, six of them instead of three.
1: So, yes. Uh, if you know the old Trolltech uh, adventure, of the Mushrooms, that's yeah. a good start for a new GM who wants to have a tragical and still some way comical game. And it's fun to play the underdogs.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You, can't, you can't get much lower than a troll can.
2: Well, without giving too much in the way of uh, spoilers away now, you all know how I feel about spoilers. How do you mean?
1: Uh, You are taking the side of those wretched Trolken who are trying to defend their life and their harvest from the big greedy trolls which have uh, enslaved them forever, basically. And yeah, uh, you get a couple of nice Trolken warriors to aid you. They are really good warriors. as far as Trolkin are concerned, but your average human uh, character will probably make short work of several of them.
2: Of course the um attack in mass, kind of like the old Russian armies in games of tactics.
1: But but those Trolkin NPC warriors, they're elite warriors. They're fun characters, they're not overpowered and you still you look up to them if you're playing a Trolkin, a freshly rolled Trolkin.
0: It, it might work in the sense that um, playing a Trollkin means you probably don't know much about the world. You uh, yeah. lived in your cave for the, uh, you know, you're not very old, like you're, you're probably like 10 or, or 14 years old. Uh, you lived in the cave. So it, it's also a, another nice yeah. way of limiting player, the need for player knowledge. So yeah, that can that be fun and fun. that can be also a bit exotic.
1: And if I have to give a very short introduction, how that feels, uh, I would say uh, think about uh, Sam and Frodo marching as uh, disguised as orcs through Path of Mordor,
0: mm-hmm. yeah.
1: And how those small orcs are treated—that's close to out uh, are
2: Yeah. Okay. I have another recommendation of a beginning game. Uh, if we're talking about beginning modules, mm-hmm. a full caveat here. I have to again mention <laughs> that uh, I am the editor. Now that gives me a. Uh, insight into how the game works and uh, the w- way it plays out you know full disclosure I, I am involved with the game so any case um <laughs> i would recommend to use abandoned ducks yeah lovely game for the beginning you're playing a duck okay i know i'm biased <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah it's available
0: on the johnston compendium on drive through rpg so we're, we'll add a note uh, a link in the show notes Cheap like borst tastes like borst, like and so a good borst. <laughs> what, what makes it good as a beginning module?
2: Handholding it it handholds. The yeah. characters are very well developed. They have passions. The game master is invited to make use of those passions as often as he can. Mm-hmm. Now passions is one. Of the new things that came into RPG that really drives it forward. I believe it has um, a little bit of a pe- uh, pedigree in Griffin Mountain where it uh, was introduced and in Greg Stafford's wonderful game, Pendragon uh, yep. Knights, Knights of King Arthur. Yep. Thank you. So passions um, are introduced. Every spell that is mentioned has a, a few notes somewhere in it explaining what the effect is, points it has, it handholds the GM. There are beautiful uh, tokens uh, that can be used on maps that are uh, expressly designed for playing out the combats. Cool. It ha- it holds your hand and leads you into the path of the wonderful world of Grantha
0: And so all of the players play ducks in that adventure? All of the players play ducks.
2: <laughs> okay. Not pre-rolled only, ducks. But uh, those of you that are playing with Dream Quest 3 I'm sorry, Jorg, what was that, sir?
1: Um, you, you're, play, uh, you're playing pre-rolled characters, really, which is different As from their normal experience. And,
2: sure, yeah. Pre-rolled and lovingly detailed characters. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it, it's, it holds it's, your
0: yeah, hand lovely. It's more a uh, it, it's for a kind of a one-shot introduction to Loranthar.
2: You could make a campaign and even scenario seeds at the end of it showing how to move into further adventures.
0: And so um, if your players because we know that ducks is a divisive uh, topic <laughs> in uh, <laughs> in the role playing community um, If they are not very uh, receptive to playing ducks, uh, what do you think of, for example, talking about uh, Jason and the Argonauts or uh, the movie 300 and uh, trying to see if your players are interested in playing like a a Yalmalio cultist or something like that through these kind of more like ancient Greece uh, movies? What do you think about that? Scene in 300. There's one scene
2: in 300 where the hero starts wading through his foes. His uh, sword goes out and off comes a leg. Um, his um, shield goes out and somebody goes flying through the air. Once again, his sword goes out and he stabs somebody through the chest and kills him instantly. Mm-hmm. So, like uh, RuneQuest, that is uncanny. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 300 is
0: great yeah but i mean if you watch 300 and you say oh i want to play that then you're pretty much like a Yel malio initiate right
2: yeah so, and uh, there you go uh, there you are some excellent scenarios already developed for uh, the amelians mm-hmm. in uh, the uh, second renaissance that we've already mentioned in our news
0: yeah, there's a bunch of uh, uh, of um, uh, books that uh, old books that well they, they're a bit hard to find now. But, uh, yeah, but you, you you said you might also pitch that as humact initiative. I would I would pitch
1: that as humact really because those guys have effective combat magic.
0: Yeah, but they're like uh, hoplite soldiers. Like they have the the I, I don't know. Do Humact um initiate? Yes, really.
1: they have legions. Yeah. So uh, there's military units of professionals, uh, which can be uh, Yemalians. They are very disciplined and work very well together. And you have units of Humakti, which have some champions who can do just this. Now, we
2: haven't moved out of the realm of uh, simple, have we? This is still something that you recommend for newbies?
0: I would recommend Humact or Stormball for newbies, yeah. I mean, if you don't get too hung up on cult rules and all that uh, I think yeah. they're fine I mean they're like warrior characters and, you know, and everybody likes to kill things with their uh, weapons so if you want to play a very awesome
1: warrior you, you have to take Humak because he's simply way overpowered but only once or twice or uh, thrice in a, in a given game before divine magic comes back yeah. so uh, if you want to uh, be the epitome of awesome Humak is your choice but it comes with a drawback. If you mm-hmm. die, you're dead.
0: Yes. You
1: will uh, attract lots of uh, aggro. <laughs>
0: which is, you know, which is fine. I mean, it's, it's easy to um, to pitch that cult with its pros and cons, I think.
1: Yeah. I don't like that card, but if somebody really wants to play it, I say, okay, go for it. And uh, we'll see what you will play when this character has died.
2: Well, you know something when it comes right down to it, what you're talking about is uh, warriors. Um everybody can play a warrior. That, that sounds good. Yeah. I, I like the idea that you said Ludo earlier of don't be too set in the rules. Um uh, was it Ludo or was it uh, Jor, uh, Jorg? York? one of you just mentioned that you don't have to you don't have to sit on the rules and use everything rule you don't have to be a rules lawyer mm-hmm. yeah that's important
0: yeah i think you can definitely um do well you should do a bit of uh, hand waviness just in favor of you know fun and narrative and i mean that's what the maximum game fun uh no maximum mgf maximum game yeah, fun? maximum, game maximum, fun, maximum
2: yeah. game point. that's a micro o'brien concept that i love
0: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so if you well, what does to... maximum game point mean uh, it just means you prioritize uh, the fun of the players over anything else. So if you want to, um, if, if a player wants to play a humag because they like the awesomeness of uh, things, but in theory, they have to sever ties with their family and all that, but uh, they don't want to do exactly that, then you can make a humacti that is a bit uh, conflicted about this and, and that's fine.
2: I'm in favor of that. That's a, that sounds like such a wonderful idea. I mean, there is a, there's a le, now legendary video of, I think it's Jeff and possibly Ian Cooper playing a little bit of a game. And they're not playing by the rules. They're not using the statement of intent as it's supposed to be. They're not <laughs> using strikings. They're just hand wavy them, mm-hmm. which is yeah. such a lovely term.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: What, do, what do you think, Jorg?
1: Yeah, but I think we're now in the general realm of uh, good GMing yeah. and uh, way outside of what's specific for Glorantha. Yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, but and, good, and, and, good and... game mastering is part of the uh, good Glorantha.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, sure. But uh, what you what you told me now would apply just as well for Firefly or some other setting.
0: So if we if we bring it back to uh, the topic which is about playing with newbies to Glorentha for the first time I think there is one last thing uh, there was there, there's one last point I want to make is to introduce Glorentha as you go so Again, not front load too much information to the players, uh, as little as possible, um, if possible by, you know, uh, choosing the correct uh, campaign framework and the correct um, starting concept. Like, for example, you know, all Trollkins or all um, uh, uh, young people in a clan, like we mentioned before. And then you can um, introduce things as you go, as they go on their first few adventures. So for example, you only need to introduce the idea of uh like uh, uh, river spirits or you know spirits everywhere, only when they start dealing with uh, with rivers like when they set up a camp next to a river or uh, have to cross a river and you want to add a little bit of a scene there where they need to deal with the naiad in this river to be able to cross or something. So just also build the adventures as a way to progressively introduce elements. And only introduce elements that are relevant to the adventure. Does that make sense?
2: It totally does. Um, so, you're good your conclusion to all of this.
1: Yeah. Don't don't overload players with text they have to read. If you have pictures, or if you can find pictures, show them. Mm-hmm. Show them as many pictures as you can find. Really. Uh, well, in the lucky situation that now we have lots of quality uh, illustrations, which we can just pull out and show them, or yeah, go to Pinterest and uh, follow some of those Glorantha lists, which have inspirational pictures, and all of that really makes it easy to start. Mm-hmm. by uh, the armies and enemies of Dragon Pass, which has lots of uh, tailored uh, pieces of warriors in Glorantha
0: yeah, we'll have a link in the show notes to uh, all those yeah. things you mentioned so that people can print a couple of pictures and uh, you know uh, hook them up to the GM screen to uh, give a little bit of yeah. visual flavor
1: or, or just share them in some, on some, some social network. Yeah, you don't have to uh, agree on me for that.
2: <laughs> well, I, unfortunately we do agree. I prefer when we argue, but i I, can,
0: I can't find anything to disagree with you on that don't. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's fine. Well, I think um, we are out of time now, yeah? we out of time
2: without my conclusion? How can that possibly be? <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, pictures. Now, pictures are interesting. Let's uh, go with the Grants of book and uh, we'll uh, put a link onto that as well. The Grants of book is a very limited, quick exploration of all things Glorantha. It has mm-hmm. lovely pictures and is well worth look just for a little bit more flavor. But just look at the pictures to begin with though. What the hell? And speaking of pictures, Princess Sarder. We'll have a look to this as well in our uh page.
0: Oh yeah, the oh. comic book,
2: yes. Unfinished comic, comic book. book. Princess Sarder. God damn. How is it possible? God damn. How is it possible that we have not brought this up yet? But uh the good point. Uh, Jeff Richards and um I cannot pronounce the finish. Thank you, sir. Uh, Bjorg, uh, which is uh, a Teutonic um, influence, has helped with some (laughs) pronunciation I couldn't possibly attempt.
1: Well, is from uh, Bulgaria. Bulgaria? Bulgaria.
2: You guys should tune in more often to our podcast. I know this is our first one, but tune in because you will learn more than you possibly thought you were going to (laughs) (laughs) learn. Yes, we, we will release the Kraken, or Bjorg, as the case may be, when needed. Mm-hmm. now uh, Princess Sardar excellent comic book it gives a bit of a flavor of one of the heroes I'm not going to say anything more because again I hate spoilers but it, it gives a total flavor of one of the heroes of the God Wars as he goes from Sardar and travels through a world of the heroes you mean the hero wars God? did I say God Wars? yes hmm. sometimes it's a bit hard to tell where you are and again <laughs> keep it simple keep it nice and easy Last uh, reference that um, is well worth it. There are two excellent topics. Uh, I can't bring them right to mind at the moment. One of them, I believe, is what uh, a new player should learn. In any case, we'll give you the exact references to these two excellent topics on basic dot com, dot com,
0: dot org. <laughs> on the BRP forums, yes. Yeah.
2: Bingo. Keep it simple. You don't have to explain too much. If you get it wrong, keep in mind that every single culture is going to have its own details, and they're going to contradict, they're going to greg each other. This is one of the beauties of Clarantha. It's so deep that it has room for contradictions. So that's my conclusion.
0: Cool. Well, I hope this was uh, useful for our listeners, and uh, if all goes well, there will be or there might be an episode 2 coming later. You want to say goodbye to the listeners, Bill? Goodbye and good night. Well, I'm, how much am I
2: getting paid for this goodbye? I mean, goddamn, I'm getting paid by the words. Did <laughs> 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 I say that out loud? <laughs>
1: well, let's say have a good day.
2: May all of your dice roll well. May
0: the red moon favor you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Windwords. Our website is windwords.fm. Reach us via email at tribe at windwords.fm for any questions or feedback. We are all us.